Lose that out of hand. Okay, last time when we were talking about God strengthening His children, we had gotten to the marriage analogy, and I said that I would finish it at, at another time. Hopefully, I can continue this, and I don't have more than this to continue. It, hopefully, it'll accomplish its purpose. Now, what I was saying about God being married and we are like a bride preparing for the marriage even though we've already agreed agreed to this marriage the marriage hadn't been consummated okay so when the bride comes back you know a lot of people talk about the the rapture and the marriage supper of the lamb but when Jesus Christ comes back for his church and that's what we're looking at that he's protecting us and keeping us during this troubled time we're in. He sees his rise getting ready and he promised to protect and we're, he's our covering. So what's happening now is happening unto Christ. So he knows the tribulations and things we are going through. So it's a struggle to get ready, but that's where the blood of the saints and blood of the Mars come in. We've struggled. Revelation 19 says that. I said that about Revelation 19 when it says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife had made herself ready, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Uh, Revelation 19 is the announcement that the bride is now ready and the marriage can take place. But just as I was telling you about me preaching and teaching and everything, I never had felt that I was completely ready to go. But then he says, well, you're ready enough to go now. So right now, we all looking for him to come back. But in our lives, a lot of us are saying, man, I need to do this. I need to get this done or whatever. There's a lot you want to get done in your life, and that's my problem. I don't know if it's y'all's problem. Right? Sometimes we feel like we hadn't did enough for the Lord. We want to do more for the Lord. We want the church to be much larger. We want to know some more, and we know the things in our lives that we need to get out of our lives. We know that we're not. So he covers our shortcomings, but we're struggling up until that day. I don't think no bride sets back a week ahead of her wedding so okay, everything is complete. I think they're working all the way up until that day of the wedding, consistently doing things. There are four things that a marriage relationship must have for it to really be successful. The reason it didn't work out with Israel and Judah, you remember I said the, in the Old Covenant, that it was weak through the flesh. It, it can't be weak through the flesh. We have to die to self. Self has to die so that weakness is dead. He take that deadness out of us. A marriage must have love. A marriage has to have love. Remember I told you the Ephesians, I read that in Revelations where they had lost, or they had left their first love. When that love that y'all once had for one another has died, or the spouse, one spouse don't love the other spouse the way they used to, the, the, the marriage is all but dead. So 
a marriage doesn't have to be physical. They don't the conjugal rights involved in that. But I tell you, the love is reciprocal. In other words, just like when we first fell in love with Christ, we're still in love with Him, and we do more and more. We may not be doing the same things, but the love has grown greater, or grown stronger. Me and my wife been married 40 years, 41 years coming up in August. I think the marriage has grown stronger. We may not be doing the things we did, Abraham and Sarah did when they were younger, but the union have grown strong. Have the union to, to the church grown stronger in y'all over the years? Do you feel more united and comfortable with the church do you know one another better do we know each other that's why Christ says take my yoke upon you and learn of me and come to knowledge so as you know you stop questioning whether God really loves you and you know he loves you whether like Job says though he slay me yet I'll serve him because he knew God loved him do you know your parents love you do you know your wife or husband love you You've passed that physical stage where they have to show you that they love you. That's why I say that's why marriages don't last because the husband or the wife is constantly having to prove that they love them, that they love them. But if you love a person, that person knows you always love them and always will love them no matter if you're able to do this or do that for them. Whereas a child says, if you love me, you'll buy me this toy. You'll do, do this for me. The, the wife may demand, like Samson said, if you love me, you'll tell me your secret. Well, anyone that's always requiring a son or requiring you to show that love for them, they don't really love or that. They want that individual to keep reciprocating. Whereas love always recipro- reciprocates itself. I know God's always doing what's in my best interest and what's best for me, whether I believe it or understand it or know it or not. And I'm always doing my best for God and continually doing my best for Him. A loveless marriage is a contradiction in terms. In other words, when a lot of people stay married just for the kids or just for the sake of society or something else, that's really not a marriage. A loveless marriage is a contradiction of terms. Because you become as one flesh, and what man had ever hated his flesh. So if the if love leaves out of a marriage, it was created upon lust or something. Yes, that's why he says, "Love not the world or the things of the world," because you might have loved it, that truck or loved it, that car or house or whatever. But after a while, it grows old, and you don't want to put no more money into it. You want a new truck or a new car or whatever. Whereas love, a lot of people love that trucking. It's a 1965 truck and it's antique, but they're still putting things in it because they don't want another truck. They love that truck. That's why people say the sentimental value of that. A husband and a wife has sentimental value with one another. Do you develop sentimental value with God? Abraham, throughout the years, that 35 years, they, he built a trusting and relationship with God till he would give his only son fuck to God. He would do just what God says because he knew God loved him and it kept him that whole time. 
So after 40 years, I don't think it's nothing else I can do to prove my wife that I love her that wouldn't be of the flesh that she's asking me to do this to prove that I love her. Are we understanding that? So if God, you're not walking by faith, it's just because something's bad happening to you don't mean that God hates you or whatever. And that's what Job understood. The walk of faith says, I know God loved me. As the Hebrew boy says, whether he delivers out of the flame and fire or not, we're not going to bow or worship or serve no other God because he does, does love me. The second thing, a marriage must have intimate communion. So intimate that the bride and groom, groom become one flesh, the two become one. And that's what we're in the process of doing, is becoming one with God. That's why he says the same mind that's in Christ Jesus has to be in us. We have to have a transforming of our mind. That old mind has to die out. We have to die to self. The way we used to think, he says, your thoughts are not like my thoughts. We have to start thinking. You can't bring that into the marriage. That has to go. Self-centeredness and selfishness, all those things have to be. For not your new creation in Christ Jesus, all things has passed away. What's God keep his boyfriend? No, you can't keep your old boyfriend. You understand that? No, you, you don't have contact with those things. You're forgetting that which is behind. You're forming a new relationship with your husband. You're becoming one. We're becoming one with Christ. So we can't love the world and love God. It's, too, it's a contradiction. He says, I'll have no other gods before me. I'm a jealous God. You should have no other gods. That's one thing about Christianity, uh, Jesus Christ, uh, God, Jehovah God, is monotheistic. In other words, the rest of the religions, they serve a pantheon of gods. In Egypt, all of those ten plagues was designed against an Egyptian god. So all of the gods in your life has to fall away. Any idol or god in your life, if you look in chapter 41, all of those idols and images has to become as nothing. You can't love the world or the things of the world. If you love television more than me, if you love anything more than me, even your own life, you cannot be his servant. You cannot die death to self. The third thing, a marriage should have joy. This will be a natural result if love exists in the marriage. The joy of loving and being loving, love is like nothing else. And that's what I say about people that's in Christianity. I know it. It's not grievous as John said. John that he left at Turkey, he left at Ephesus to preach to Ephesians or whatever. He says, we keep his commandments and we have the petitions that we ask of him. God answers their prayers because they keep his commandments and his Commandments are not grievous unto them. I love coming to church on the Sabbath day. It doesn't hurt me. I'm not. I love doing this. I love preaching. I love living for God. I love the things of God. I love His commandments. They're not grievous unto me. That's part of the way in the marriage I feel short that I'm not giving enough to God. That I'm not doing more, if I can reciprocate 
more to him. If I can give more, I feel. Do you always feel that you're not doing as much for God as he did for you? See, are you forever thankful to God and grateful that he saved you? That's just the joy of my salvation. But how many times a woman or a man, something happens and they're praying for a husband or wife or children praying for this. Have you prayed for something? After God has blessed you or given that to you, now, 10 or 20 years later, you treat that husband or that wife like dirt. You treat the children that you ask God God for children. You're not thankful that God gave you those children and treated them as a blessing. When you were out a husband or without a wife and you prayed that God would just send anybody, just send you a saved man, send you a, a husband or wife along. But now, because you feel that that's not being reciprocated back to you, are you still nurturing and cherishing that husband or that wife that you asked God for? How about those children that you asked God for? How about the home of whatever God had given you and you prayed and asked God for it, are you treating it just as something else now? Or are you treating it as a gift from God? The marriage has to have gratefulness and thankfulness in it that he laid down his life and he died for me. I can't die for him, but I'll give my life. And in other words, the way you die for a die or whatever, you give your life to service unto God, just like some people go away and give their life for their country, fighting for their country or whatever. Are you giving your life fighting for God? Peter says, I'm willing to die for you. I, did Paul die? Did they, you remain steadfast? That deserves, that requires loyalty. A marriage requires loyalty. That's the fourth thing that a marriage requires is fidelity, loyalty, and faithfulness. I preached that at uh, Brother Dent's funeral. Uh, like, I mean, that's one of the things that made me say I'll never preach unsaved films no more, whatever, people that are unsaved or whatever, because a lot of the people there are unsaved or whatever, and they not listen at the message. A lot of times on preaching and teaching, that's what the reason he had to condition Isaiah the way he did, because the people wasn't listening at him or hearing him or doing that. Some parents that have children unaccustomed to some things or whatever. But Isaiah, he told us, says, they will hear, but they're not going to hear. They're not going to stand and they're not going to do it. A lot of times we hear God's word and we're not faithful to the word we've heard. We pray to give us this day our daily bread. But are you loyal to what God had given you or told you? Of all that God had given you, is the fidelity there? Fidelity, the faithfulness. Are you loyal to that church? Are you loyal to the Word of God, the things of God? That's the way you are with your spouse. Are you loyal to that spouse? Are you faithful? And that's the thing. What happens when someone you love is unfaithful to you, they're not loyal to you. They don't show that fidelity to you. God loved us when we were unloving, when we didn't love him, when we were unfaithful. That's why I read the other one, the kindness and the loving tenderness and 
God waited and brought us, it draws drawing us to repentance. And that's why sometimes I tell you, you answer with gentleness and you treat things with love and gentleness. And sometimes that's what draws that. But we have to be faithful to God and serve no other God. And no marriage can exist if you un being unfaithful. Uh, and that's what Israel's problem was. There was an adulterous, fornicating spouse. And throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, that's what his commandments was against, was adultery or fornication. And we can have no other God. So all of those idols and graven images that you're making, it's spiritual fornication. It's spiritual adultery. That's why I said the marriage hadn't been consummated yet. But when you purge all of those things out of your life, as you purge the bitterness and all of the ways and things are out of your life, that's why I say you get stronger, you get strengthened. His word purges and washes those things out of your life and makes you a chaste virgin to Christ. So right now, can you look back over your 10 years of your the last 10 years of your life and see where a lot of those things have made you a better tither, a better prayer and prayer? It, it made you spend more time with God, the scripture redeeming your time. Had you watched less television, had you got away from the things of the world, is your satisfaction in the things of God? You remember I told you sometime I don't feel right unless I get those couple of hours just watching TV or being with my wife or whatever. You know, when she's in the hospital, a lot of times I call on the phone or whatever. I talk on the phone with her because it's not that I'm just missing talking to her or whatever. It's just I miss being there. You know, that, that person is there. That's why a lot of times I told you about my neighbor down the street that had been married 65 years or whatever in a month or two after she she died, he died. Because the separation from one another. Not that you and your spouse in the house talking to one another, but the presence is there. So do you feel bad that you don't feel God's presence all the time? You know, a lot of times I'm in there on the computer doing something else just to know she's in there. Or in your bed, you know, that's to know that person is there. So the presence you understand what I mean by fidelity and loyalty and presence in the being so that's why we have to practice the presence of God that he's always there and you don't want to go in darkness because have you did something that caused you to be guilty and know that it was a sin and you that way you know you're not in communication with God or whatever because God won't go in darkness so you stop doing the things of darkness. In the book of Thessalonians, he says, their deeds was dark because they loved darkness rather than light. So it's a certain joy you feel when you give in the name of Jesus. It's a certain joy you feel when you're doing things for the Lord and when you're working for the Lord. It's a certain peace of mind and joy you feel. That's what's serving the strength in you his spirit is strengthening you throughout the years. And that's why it says don't choose a novice to be your preacher or teacher. 
because you still green behind the ears. You don't know what rejection and betrayal and all these things are. And God knows, and that's what we've seen. How are we making God feel through rejection and betrayal? The weakness of the first covenant will be resolved or eradicated before the actual union take place. That's why I say we use the shadows and testament. God used this life because what happened with the angels that fail won't happen in heaven and it is not to happen on earth. We're going through what the angels went through. So, you remember I said without a spot or a blemish. So, like I say, well, you're going to say, well, how about the people that's died or passed on? Well, that's the state. You remember I told you the different stages and the rewards and deeds? That's where God has them at. That's fixed and fitted. That's the farthest they go progress. But what I'm doing is I'm like Paul. I'm fighting for more, more rewards, more glory, and other things because that's why I say that's what the zeal of Lord, the Lord of hosts, we know we will be re- rewarded according to our works. So that's why we're doing more and trying more. That's the incentive he put there. But if you like other people, well, if we all say they ain't going to do nothing, well, I don't think the kingdom of heaven is really designed for you. Are you industry want to please your God? If you, that's why he didn't give you more than one talent. You're not a three or five talent person. You can't multiply what you have because you just content right there. Some people don't have that zeal. But in the morning, are you up? Are the women up? Are you cleaning your house? Are you trying to do this? Are you trying to do this? Are you continually striving? Or you just throw it out of here? You just can sit around eating, sleeping just every day. That's the only thing you do. Rise up to eat and sleep and don't do nothing there. Or are you still burning the oil? You remember like I told you, are you still like that woman, 71 years old, out there busy doing something? Or are you out there trying to do something? You know, you're in a wheelchair still struggling and still trying, but you're not giving up and say, oh, I got an excuse. I can't do this. I can't do that. Are you still? He says, this time Christ will be married to a wife who has already proven that she loves him, that she is capable of intimate communication, that she is happy with him as her husband, and that she is faithful in every aspect of her life. Every aspect of her life. In other words, not you've proved that. See, because if you're not talking to me now, you're not going to talk to me after we get married. But are you talking to me every morning? You, you see, because if you're not praying, you're not talking to God. Are you actually talking? I'm not just thinking, you know, some people say I'm praying. No. Are you actually praying and having this conversation with God and telling Him? You know, that's why I say intimacy comes. Are you telling God your deepest secrets, your deepest flaws? Just like the wife would tell her husband the most intimate thing that she wouldn't tell anybody else. Is the husband confiding in his wife is more than he would anyone else? So that's what God, he wants to hear. He says, when they cry to me, what is cry? And the, you remember I said, when they cry to me for Thursday. In other words, they want to hear somebody saying something. They, they telling me in crying, and prayer is crying to God. 
So are you crying to God so that God can fill you? Because that's the way he had set it up. So if you don't tell him the reason you don't have is because you don't ask. So are you asking God? What are you asking God for? You remember I say this is what the church should be praying for? Some things that I give y'all to pray for. So you part of that answered prayer. But just like if I gave that to you and then you forgot it was, and I say, now that's some completed prayer that you could put on your prayer list. Well, just think in a church of a thousand people and the pastor, somebody saying, pray for this. How many in that group won't enjoy the foils of that because they hadn't been praying for the list of those things that the church has been praying for? You heard them ask about it or say it, but you don't do it because, oh, they ain't checking how you going to know if I'm praying or not. So you won't be rewarded that way because you hadn't been praying for these things. It ain't whether I'm checking it or who knows it or not. God knows. Are you that kind of person that's going back and petitioning God for your neighbors and for your friends and for your sisters and brothers and for your enemy? Are you talking to God about that? Because God is true and faithful now. That's what I say. You're going to be rewarded by God. And aren't you happy that God knows all of these things? Not what man knows. That God knows and he sees the heart. That's what he rewards us according to our hearts. A lot of people will see people with these rewards. Well, well, it won't be in heaven. But see, that's why you have jealousy and envy on earth. Because you're not willing to work as hard as that other guy. You're not willing to work as hard as that other woman working. Her marriage is the way her marriage is because maybe there's something she's doing that you're not doing. Maybe you're trying to follow that which is on television, and television is made for advertising and for selling, but maybe it requires something else. See, the world has painted a picture of what should be in this and all these things, and that's not reality. It has you living in a false world. So all of these things could be what they should be if you're living according to the word of God. That's the reason you have not, because you hadn't went and told God those problems. You went and told your friend and everybody else except God. Where's the intimacy there? Have you proved that you communicate with your husband, with your bride-to-be, the bride-to-be with the groom-to-be? Notice how attention is drawn to her preparations, as well as her righteous acts. The preparation, the bride has gotten herself ready, but of the righteous acts of the saints. Could her righteous acts have anything to do with the preparation? Yep. Because he who is righteous does righteous. And you remember I said, it acts like a fulcrum. It leads to more and a stronger thing. It at least when you're adding faith and virtue, it just it causes more works. It causes a stronger. It makes you stronger because the reward, the feeling, the regeneration is greater. It the heat, the regeneration of these things doing, puts you on fire. It sets you. Jeremiah says it's like fire shut up in his bones. It makes you. Don't you love telling other people? And it, as God rewards you and you feel these things spiritually. That's why sometimes they say you're too spiritually minded because God has you up there, but you have to be careful of walk circumspectively 
or you'll be holier than thou thinking everybody could get up to where you are. So it's a balancing act being a Christian because God really is good. Could it have anything to do with her being qualified? Remember, as those he had chosen, those that he had called are his elect in if somebody's not meeting the criteria, you remember I told you repentance and you have to turn for these things? Certain things you may not qualify for, but in this world you could be president and be an ignoramus. In this world, you remember I told you I was at High Neighbor waiting to get something out to Delhi. It had four or five people back there. I don't know how they paid the payroll. Them four or five people it was two of us back there at the deli thing. It was three or four at the other counter, but two of us at the deli, and it took me 20, 15 or 20 minutes to get waited on. Now, if you're paying 10, 11, 12, 15 dollars an hour, and those two or three people back there hadn't waited on us, and then I had to told the lady, she said, well, sir, he's going to get her more. I said, well, ma'am, you didn't. You were sitting there looking around at all these other things and you didn't even see what's going on. The guy that was waiting on him, he had stopped what he was doing and he went to start working in the hot food department. She defending this guy that was, she told this other guy to come wait on this other guy ahead of me. And I was trying to explain to her, but since she's over the deli or back there, I, I just shut up. You remember I said, you don't argue with anybody? And then she was looking around because the other guy got in an argument with the other worker because he said, well, I'm waiting on him. I went back there to get something else. I said, well, she's the one who told him to start waiting on him. She didn't even know what was going on, and she the boss. This guy that was lollygagging back there, he had went back there to get roast beef or something, but he got busy talking to another worker that was in the fallback. I'm seeing all this through the glass. To the worker in the fallback, he had stopped to talk with her, and while talking with her, this guy's still waiting on him, and you know he can't hardly talk. This old guy, I don't know why he didn't say anything, but then they realized that this guy wasn't supposed to be waiting on the guy. I said, "Well, I'm new. I don't know what's going on." I said, "Well, the boss, she messed it up because she's the one that had appointed him." So the guy asked me to get waited on. So. That 15 or 20 minutes later, she then confused all this, and finally I got out of there. But that was maybe 30 or $40 worth of labor for me to get $5 worth of meat to go on the shelf. I don't know how you're going to make a living like that. But anyhow, works of her righteous acts are represented. You remember he says he's going to reward every man according to their deeds? Now, listen to what I say. He's going to reward every man according to their deeds. Now, I didn't say you're saved by your deeds or works. You're not saved by your works or deeds. You're saved by grace. But along with grace and salvation, faith comes, right? Faith coming through hearing of the word of God. But a faith without works is a dead faith. You're not saved by works, but by faith you can show people your works because faith has works. And the greater your faith, the greater your works. That's why I said if you have a faith as a mustard seed, 
Just a small amount of faith can accomplish things. Just think how much faith if you have that you can speak to that mountain and be moved in the sea. Faith gets things done because it's trusting in God. It's not trusting in itself. The union is that it's in Christ I trust, not in myself. The wife is trusting on her husband. They are one. So if my if I couldn't back my wife up with my children or whatever, they're not fearing that when I come home at five, that talking to me is talking to my wife. And they was making the deals with my wife. Well, mama, you go for So don't tell daddy I do this because my wife and I are one. But if I show that disunity, and that's where a lot of marriages mess up with the children. If I'm arguing my wife and say, I'm not going to whip them, I'm not going to do this, the children see that disunity or whatever. We have to speak with one voice to those children. The husband and the wife is one. Well, that's why he put male and female in there. He didn't say two men in the same family or two women. So we become one and we raise up a godly seed. We should not be misled into thinking that the deeds of the church or righteous acts gets a salvation because what did he say? Hadn't we fed the needy? Didn't we feed the sick? Didn't we go visit the sick and cast out devils? Hadn't we did all these things in your name? He didn't deny that they had did those things. There are churches right down from us. They're remodeling these old people's houses or whatever. But you know, a lot of those good works are, are being done for people that the, the slime pit of society or for the people that's the worst in the neighborhood. Don't you wonder sometimes why the good things don't happen to us sometimes that do things for people. You see the people doing things for, and these are evil and we get the people that do it for but why the good things don't happen to me? But we don't understand God has reasons and the older you get, the closer you get to God, he shows you these things. You start understanding better why God is doing what but works or rewards and things like that don't save you. So you're not dependent upon that. You're not dependent upon the flowers because just because a man buy you flowers at, for Mother's Day or Valentine's Day doesn't mean that he loves you more than that guy that couldn't afford to buy you a lunch or buy you a bag of potato chips. But this guy may be struggling and love you more. This guy may do more for you. I think uh, the Kanye West and Kim Kardashian, their wedding was like $2 million and something. They got married in this castle or whatever. He's seeing some woman. This is the one that they paid $50 and $100 for tickets to come see Christian music at Bethany and sing in those dinners and things that wasn't up to par. He's seeing some other woman or whatever. She's seeing Davidson or some other guy or whatever, right? But they had a $3 million or $2 million wedding. They're not completely divorced yet, but each one is seeing someone else dating someone else. So can they brag about that $2 million wedding or whatever? Everybody was following that and everything or following how much A-Rod spent for J-Lo's wedding ring and how much they were trading for this and that there. But isn't she with this Ben Affleck or somebody now or whatever? So does it really quantify that someone really loves you the more money they spend on you? 
a lot of times the children in, in homes and things, they say, well, why this child turned out this way? We gave him everything he, he wanted, and it wasn't anything we wouldn't give him. Right, but it's one thing you didn't give him. You didn't whip his tail. You, didn't, you spared the rod. You didn't bruise him, and you didn't bring him under subjection as God told you to. Now he didn't rise up to kill you. He didn't rose up to go shoot seven or eight people out on Independence Day that's at a parade or something because you signed for the gun and you give him these things that he wanted. Although through the Bible it maintains a delicate balance between grace, that is what is given, and obedience to proper response. And that's what I say. The response to God should be obedience. That's how we are strengthened. That's how Christ got there is through obedience. Adam was disobedient. So grace is given, but obedience is the proper response to grace. It's the re- proper response to God by obeying God and following His every word. Now here that balance is showed by the wife's garments being granted to her, that He's then given her this white garment, whereas this other guy rejected even to put on a garment to come to the wedding, to see the wedding. He was given this garment. Are we putting on Christ? He had died and gave us His righteousness. Are we pulling on Christ and pulling off the old man? It takes work to make a marriage successful. It takes sacrifice. I don't jump up and fly out of the house every argument me and my wife get into. And it's going to be disagreements because you have two adults that have two different opinions about some things. You're not going to agree on everything. Uh, I don't think she would ever call a police moment for domestic abuse or battery, assault, battery, anything or whatever because you can't make a person do what you want them to do. You have to submit yourself. And I think a lot of husbands may miss that verse when it says submit to one another. You have to submit yourselves to one another. It's going to take sacrifices. You can't always get your way. You have to give in. You have to give to the other one. And it ain't always about being right. You remember I saying about not arguing or not fussing over this, just say, okay, well, whatever, and just saying, okay, because sometimes you could be right about something and you could be dead right, but you could be dead by yourself right. You know, you didn't blow it all out of proportion. you right, but you didn't make that person so upset that you didn't cause them to move on. You see what I'm saying? Sometime you could be right all by yourself. You don't have to go out your way to prove yourself right on something. I think that's what happens a lot of times. Calling and trying to find this and say, see, I was right. Well, okay, what did you get? You got some kind of reward or something? Or did you just make that person mad about proving yourself right? All of that was for the satisfaction of the flesh. We have to, you know, some people would go through, I don't know what to prove themselves right. It, uh, it takes work to make our relationship with God successful. We have to work on it. And all these people that are not attending church are not following God's word. That's what I say. They can't be married to the Lord because they're not working at what God had told them to do. It's hard to resist the flesh and resist the things of the world. If we do the right kind of work, there's no doubt that the relationship will be successful. 
But if and God will be well pleased and will enter into his kingdom because his will is being done. And he's of he's of his promises. He's not like man. He what he had promised that he will do and he has committed himself to us as a faithful spouse and we've committed ourselves unto him and this marriage will be consummated. And we're gonna stop right there.